Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have our guest, Jalee Johnson, on the, with us to talk about her new book, The Door to the Lost. If you haven't heard who Jalee is, well, you're going to find out who she is, because after reading a little bit about her bio, I'm just like, why don't I know this person? Uh, she has written several novels and short stories for the Dungeons & Dragons Forgotten Realm fiction line, which is fantastic. I love that. Um... And now you have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, middle grade or young adult? Middle grade, yes. Middle grade books. Um, you have The Secret of Solace, The Quest to the Uncharted Lands, and The Door to the Lost, uh, which is, is, now is this part of that series or separate? The Door to the Lost will be a brand new standalone book separate from the three Solace books. So okay. Yeah, starting with new characters, brand new world. Now, you're also an avid gamer, you are a lifelong geek, which right there, yeah, you, you score high on, on the awesome category, in my opinion. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've met Ed Greenwood, uh, friends with Bob Salvatore, so a lot of people that have written in the Forgotten Realms world, and to you, for you to be able to say, hey, that, I'm one of those people too, that's just fantastic and amazing. It really is, and it's something that I never, ever thought would happen. So, yeah, to look back on it, it's, it's kind of surreal. And just the, the, the impact that gaming in general has had on my life and on my career as a writer. I mean, it, it can't overstate how much I owe to gaming and Dungeons & Dragons. No, uh, you know, uh, years ago, playing it myself, I, I never would have thought it would have, like, the social impact that it does now. It's like everyone... Is like, yep, I play D&D. I mean, you have people like Vin Diesel and all these other actors out there that are like, yeah, I played it. What's the big deal? Yeah, and are currently playing it. Yeah. Too. You, have, you have Joe Manganiello, who is an avid player, and you know he's appearing on Critical Role and starring yeah. in movies at the same time and talking about his character in interviews. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and I can, yeah, I, I was thinking Joe, but I can never remember his last name. Um but yeah, it is amazing to see how that changed, and you know, because like going back to the movie Airheads with Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler, and that you know that last scene where they're like, "I played D and D," and everyone's like, kind of like, "So did I," you know. But it, everyone was kind of like shy at first to admit it, and then it was suddenly, "Yeah, I can do." It. And now it's like the complete opposite now. <laughs> oh 
it's like, yeah, it's, it's become, it's become so mainstream that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's being, it's being taught in uh, classrooms, yeah. in school, I'm seeing now, which was something that, you know, growing up in the 80s, and, you know, didn't think would ever happen, but, you know, I'm actively talking about it in schools, and teachers are running adventures for their students. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So, what was it that made you decide or what event in your life made it so that you're like, I want to be a writer? Well, it's hard to trace it back to any one event, but I can I can connect it fairly directly to gaming just okay. because, well, so going back a little bit, um, well, a long ways, uh, way back when I was five years old was my first introduction to Dungeons and Dragons um, through my older brother. Uh, my older brother and I are 11 years apart in age. So he, when I was five years old, he was 16. And he would get together with his group of friends in our parents' garage, and they would play Dungeons and & Dragons. And I, you know, five-year-old tag-along sister, would, would watch them play. And I think that, even at that young of age, that combined with my parents, you know, reading to me as a child... Um, really sparked my imagination and my love of storytelling and how you that the ways in which you could use your imagination um, to connect with other people and to make a story and I it made me into a gamer and it made me into a reader of fantasy novels and just that idea of you know as I got older watching how authors could create fantasy worlds and characters that were so lifelike to me, you know, that, that could provide me just hours of fun and escape, um, to, to young Julie, it, this was like a superpower that these authors had. And I was like, I want that superpower. Um, so that was kind of what made me want to create worlds of my own and stories of my own. And, and that's where it started and just kind of went from there. Nice. I, I like how you related to a superpower cause it kind of is. You know, uh, just like, well, I was just going to say, just like all superheroes, you kind of have your strengths and your weaknesses. And to be a writer, though, uh, you have that emotional up and down roller coaster, and it takes a lot of strength to get through that. Because I'm sure like you, like any other author, there's moments where you're like, man, this is just crap. Why am I writing this? Uh, uh-huh. And then there's other times like, this is so amazing. I can't stop. Yeah, you have to have the the supreme confidence in your ability, and yet you have to have that humility to accept rejection and failure, and you have to, to find that balance. And yeah, I mean, you could make a whole superhero origin story out of that <laughs> just for our world. Yes, yeah, you could. So, <laughs> the Solace series, for those that haven't read it or picked it up, can you kind of give a brief overview of what that is? So that when we lead into Door to the Lost, it kind of gives them an idea of what's going on. Sure. Uh, for the Solace series, it's really, and this all starts with the first book, um, The Mark of the Dragonfly. It's about this idea of a world where all of the forgotten objects from other worlds end up. Um, this They crash down in this world of Solace in these strange, violent meteor storms, these like... Uh, bits of technology, art, literature, any kind of objects that you can imagine 
and the people of this world scavenge and fix up these objects and these technologies and they've integrated them into their world and culture. And the protagonist of the first book, Piper, is a scrapper who fixes up these items, sells them to survive, and she has this kind of unique connection to machines and their inner workings. And, but she is not very connected to people. She's kind of a loner character, and it's it's a story of how she functions in this world and how she finds her place in it. And that kind of leads into the other two books in the series, Secrets of Solace and Quest of the Uncharted Lands. They follow different characters in different parts of the world, and they kind of show you the evolution of this world of Solace over several years and how the world changes and grows through the eyes of different characters. Nice. You know, as you were describing this, I was just thinking of the land of misfit toys, but this is where everything <laughs> kind of goes. No, that's, that's really cool. Just technology goes there. They learn about it and adapt it and... I, I like it. I like how you have a kind of a strong, young adult female character. Um, yeah, it it doesn't seem. I mean, it seems to be more and more prevalent. But it's it's always great to see a character like that, where like my daughters can read a book and they can say, "Okay, man, this is a hero I can relate to. This is someone I can look up to." Um, exactly. Yeah, I call her, I call Piper my uh, my uh, female Han Solo. Nice. So, yeah, she's my she's my pure rogue. Nice. All right, you 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 gain more points for Star Wars references. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a huge Star Wars fan. Um, but I I like that type of a character, um, someone that has confidence but kind of fumbles but still tries to make things work. Yeah, and she she has to learn to connect with people and to connect with her her friends and to work with other people and to trust them. Really. Yeah. I mean, those are all good, great lessons for any child growing up. So that's fantastic to be able to read that and say, okay, that's kind of how you do it. Oh, this is what I need to do. Because everyone can relate to that. I mean, there's at least one point in our lives where we're like, yeah, friends are scary. You know, oh. you, you, you've lived all your life in your home and your whole life has just really kind of been your brothers and sisters and parents. Then you go to school and suddenly there's all these other kids around you and you got to figure out how to adapt and interact with them yeah exactly yeah all of a sudden it's these how do i understand these people how do i relate to them and you know are they going to betray me and it's, it's scary for kids i mean it's scary even as adults oh yeah yeah are they going to throw their pudding in my face i don't know yeah <laughs> we hope not yeah no uh, we always hope not so Moving from those, I like the fact that we get a different character perspective every book. I mean, that's got to be really fun for you as a writer because it's not the same character. It's something new. You're exploring that character and developing that. Um, yes, it really is. Now, when you do that, I mean, how do you get yourself into the mindset of the character to, to write your book? Because I know everyone's different. Um, For me, I go back to some of the earliest lessons, things that I read about writing and things that I, I tried to learn, which is, I go back to the basics, like the goal, you know, goal motivation conflict of each character. You know, what does, this, when I'm designing this character, what do they want more than anything? You know, why do they want it? You know, why do they think it'll make them complete? And then what's standing in their way um, of getting that thing? Okay. And that's how I start with each character 
And then as I build each one, then I kind of see how those goals might come in conflict with each other, how they might create allies and other characters, and how their decision-making throughout the story, you know, might change them and, you know, kind of transforming what they think they want to what they need. Um, With Piper, it was her desire to, you know, get out of the scrap town and try to form a new life and, you know, try to try to better herself in the world. But it ended up, you know, she didn't think she needed anyone else, you know, along the way. And kind of part of her journey was realizing that, yes, she does need other people. She does want other people in her life. Uh, but it always starts with the, with those basics. You know, what does the character want and what's standing in their way for me? Okay. I, that is an in, that is a great way. And uh, I, I like that, how you go to basics and simplify it and go through those things. Um, you know, some authors give you this long, ex- you know, explanation of how they develop the process and sometimes you just go, uh, you lost me there. Um, but going that way, it, it seems very simplistic and I like that. Yeah, I mean, I have to start, I have to start simple because, and I have to plan and take notes and, a lot of what I start with might change. I mean, the character's going to change a lot over the course of the story. Mm-hmm. But having just that basic, you know, that basic human thing, you know, what do you want? What do you want most? Um, I can always at least refer back to that and see how that is, is shaping the character and how the story is shaping the character. But yeah, for me, it, my drafts get complicated enough as I go along and overcomplicated. I have to start simple. So that's kind of just what works for me. Yeah. Now, when you're developing the story, are you an outliner? Do you are you a panzer? What type of writer are you? Oh, I'm definitely an outliner. Okay. Uh, I I have to have at least some kind of a roadmap for where I'm going, even if it changes completely um, partway through, which has happened before. But I have to have a notion of where I'm going, or. I'll go off on a tangent or, you know, the, the train will jump the tracks pretty quick because I've tried to just start from the blank page and just go with it, and it's, it's just not the way that I work. So yeah. it's definitely outline for me. Okay. No, I, that's the thing about writing or anything in life. Everyone has a different way of doing it, and no one way is the wrong way. So mm-hmm. I, oh, I, have a, I have a writing group, and they're uh, – we're about a 50-50 split. Some of us like to outline and the others don't. Yeah. And having having the conversation between the group of, of our differing styles, I mean, it's just like oil and water. You know, the people who are the pants are just like, how can you plan out the story until you've written it? How can you know what happens? And, you know, the rest of us are like, how can you just go with no roadmap? And it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. No, I... I'm one of those Panzer writers, but I still see the advantage of people that outline, you know, because that works for them. For me, the just sitting down and trying to outline just seems like it kills my creative flow. So, you know, that's okay. What works for me doesn't work for someone else and vice versa. So I, I think, you know, arguing just doesn't help. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, it's whatever gets the words down on the page, yeah. you know, in the end. Yeah, most definitely. So, The Door to the Lost, what happens in this book? I'm, I'm guessing we're getting a new character and a different storyline. 
new character, different storyline, brand new world. Okay. Starting, starting completely, completely different with this one. Um, Door to the Lost is... I've been talking about the Solace book so much that it's hard to shift gears sometimes and, and start to talk about this new world, even though I'm so excited about it. Um, but essentially, this is about magical refugees living in a world that doesn't trust magic. Uh, this world that I've created, um, Tall Haven, suffered a great magical catastrophe uh, that brought a group of children essentially to their doorstep from another world. Um, and at the same time, it wreaked havoc on their world. Um, and as this magic slowly dies, it's becoming unstable and dangerous, and it's turning people into monsters, both... are two of these magical exiles that may have the power to stop this chaos that's happening in the world, but they kind of have to decide whether they can or should save a world that hurt that uh, hurts and mistrusts them. Wow, conflict right off the bat right there. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's a bit, bit of a departure from what uh, what the Solace books were, but, uh, but I'm very excited about it. No, that is exciting because... You already have the conflict just built into the story there, just from they don't trust magic, they have magic, magic's deteriorating, destroying the world. What do you do when you are the person with magic? Um, you know, and how do you hide that? How do you get it along day to day? Uh, I, I like that. It's it, that's I think that's the best part about stories is when you have those conflicts and you you can get excited and be riding along right next to that character and like okay. How are we going to get through this? You know, there, there's a trap ahead or that person. Uh, how are we going to hide this from them or so forth? And when you feel that tension, you're just excited to find out what happens next. And that's very much the journey that Rook and Drift are on. They're trying. They're just trying to survive and get along this world in secret. Um, they, they're using their magic to try to make a living, you know, kind of going under the radar, Rook, Rook's power in the novel is that she can make doors. She can open these portals that can take people anywhere in the world, so she uses it as kind of this black market magic power, um, letting people pay her to send them places. Uh, but she, at the same time, she struggles with her power because the one door that she wants to open is the door back to her old world where she thinks she'll be safe, and it's the one door she can't open. Mm. So she's just trying to survive, and she's made a friend and drift, this kind of idea of a found family, and then now to have the burden of potentially having to save the world put on her shoulders, she doesn't know how to deal with that. You know, even as an adult, I don't know if I would have uh, even a, the foggiest clue how to deal with that. <laughs> That's, that's why we need kids. Yeah. That's, that's why we need the kids to save us. <laughs> you know, uh, there are, you know, you watch those movies, um, and you're like, oh, Hunger Games or Maze Runner or all these other movies where, the, you know, the kids are the main characters and they have to save the world. And you're just like, why would you put a kid in this position? But then I think about it and it's like, because adults are so stuck in the mud with their the way they think that I don't think they can think outside the box in a way that could save the world if something were to happen. 
Yeah, I agree. We need the imagination of the kids. We need we need the things that we as adults have forgotten, the magic that we've somehow forgotten. Yeah. Which, I think that's with kids. Which which I'm hoping by writing and stuff like that keeps me in that zone, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know it, it's amazing how things like, you know, how I remember being a kid, being super creative and making up games and stuff like that. I just don't do that anymore, and it's kind of sad. I think that there has to be at least some of that left in, in the writers somewhere, yeah. especially writing, writing the fantasy and science fiction. I think that we've, we haven't quite left it behind completely, or I hope we haven't. I hope we still have a little bit of the kid inside of us, or at least I, I never feel like I fully fully grew up. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah, as I turn and look at all my Star Wars stuff hanging up on my shelves. Um yeah. I was doing the same thing. I was yeah. looking at my office going, yeah, you're, you're not quite there yet. You haven't quite grown up. Yeah, yeah. I got a R2, a Yoda, Stormtrooper helmets behind me, some Transformers here and there. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm still somewhat in that realm, but, uh, you know, you got to be responsible, and it seems like a little bit of you die, that part of you dies every second. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. We have... Uh, the more we still, I still get together and game with my gaming group, but I noticed that, you know, in the same breath that we're talking about, you know, the latest movies that we've gone to see or the games we want to play, you know, we have so much more adult conversation. Yeah. You know, talking about our houses, talking about, you know, we gotta got to make repairs on this, you know, gotta got to get a raise at our jobs. And, you know, but there's just so much more adulting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Less like creative slaughtering and, and stuff like that in those games and more like, man, the furnace went out this week. And you're like, what? Yeah. I know. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. That, that's our adventure now, not trying to come up with some crazy game. Uh, yeah, I think that's why we still need the, need the, the fiction and the D&D. &D. We need the gaming. We need the outlet. Yes. Now, since you still game, you're writing... What do you find to be like a roadblock when you go to write that you have to always seem to overcome? Like mine, for me, it's just time. I don't feel like I ever have enough time because I still have a day job and responsibilities. Yeah, that. Do you have a similar roadblock or is there something different? I mean time, yeah. I'm definitely with you there. It's always – the writing is always the thing that you squeeze in in between the work, in between the life stuff, you know, spending time with friends and family. And sometimes that gets frustrating because you want – you know, I'll think to myself, what would it be like if I had, you know, the whole day just to devote to this? Would it be, you know, would my creative output just surge or would it be, you know, I just – putter around on the computer and Twitter and waste time. But I'd like to have that option at some point, you know, yes. to find that out. That would be amazing. Um, the other obstacle I think that I always run into in writing is I always get to a certain point in my draft, usually about the three quarter mark, because that's the draft I just finished. That was what happened when I hit the three quarter mark was that's the point where it's like, Oh, this this book is never going to be unbroken. This book is never going to not suck, and I'm never going to be able to fix it. Every single book, I hit that point yeah. in my draft. Every single time. And it's such a slog to push through that and get out to the other side. But then once you do, you do you're like, well, now I can revise, and now I can fix everything, and no matter how long it takes, I can fix this you know, broken 
piece of whatever. But I, I always get to that point where I have that crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. So time and crisis of confidence are probably the, the two biggest roadblocks for me. Yeah. I think that everyone hits that. I know I have hit that, uh, you know, especially writing my last book. There's just one point I'm like, this just sucks. I just give up. Uh-huh. <laughs> I took like three weeks off and I came back and I'm like looking through it and I'm like, this just is not going to work. I should just start over. And then I started asking questions and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I could fix that. Oh, I could fix that. I could fix that. Oh, wait a minute. I could actually keep going. Um, and then you, you build up that momentum again. But yeah, there's that wall that for some reason you hit. And I, I don't get it because it's like I know it's coming. So why would I not circumnavigate that? But every time I hit it. Yeah. And I tell myself each time that I'm working on a draft, I'm like, it's going to be different this time. <laughs> you know, I know where my story's going. I know what I have to do. It's yeah. going to be different. It never is. Never is. Yeah. The one, the one comfort I have in that is that I, when I have spoken to students in classrooms um, about my experiences, it's at least something that I can share with them, and I can see them kind of, you know, they it, if they can make that connection, you know, with another person that, you know, because they, they ask me, how do you deal with writer's block? So obviously it's something in their own writing and in the own, those students who want to tell stories, you know, we all encounter the same thing. We all encounter that crisis of confidence and to at least be able to say you're not alone in that, you know, and to be able to say that with you, I mean, that always helps me. Yeah. It always makes me feel just a little bit less alone. Yeah, I went to a writer's conference and the person giving the keynote, that was one thing that they said because that, that helped this last year. They're like, okay, I know you're all writers in, in, in one respect or another. No matter whether you're a New York Times bestseller or someone just starting out, I want every one of you to raise your hand if you have ever had writer's block or doubt in your own writing. And literally everyone's hand went up, even like the New York Times bestselling authors and people that I've looked up to for years that I know have been pumping out books. And that gave me a perspective of, wow, uh, I'm not the only one that feels this way, so maybe I'm not as crappy a writer as I think. Yeah, I mean, it can give you a lot of comfort. Yeah. I mean, you know, you need that. You need that connection with people who understand that that struggle and that process. Yes, I agree. So, the door to the lost comes out this July. Yes. You're super excited to step into another world. It sounds like, but at the same time, you're so used to talking about the old world. Um, the Solace World's already out, so there's three books that any of our listeners can automatically pick up now to, to jump in and uh, test the waters with your writing, which uh, just reading the, the Quest of the Uncharted Lands, it was lots of fun, so people should do it anyways. Just get them. Uh, what is next? I mean, are you working on another book though in the same series as Door to the Lost or something completely different? I, I had always intended Door to the Lost uh, to be a standalone. Okay. Um, unless, you know, I get a huge demand for more, which, you know, would be fantastic and I would be happy to oblige. But I right now I'm working on, I just finished a draft of a, uh, a young adult uh, sci-fi adventure story. Um, so a little, little bit older audience, um, but still, you know, kind of a teenager. And it's been really fun to kind of explore that 
the difference, not just writing sci-fi instead of fantasy, but kind of exploring that, dipping my toes into the young adult uh, category um, has been a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm working on that right now. It'll be, I'll be revising that probably for the next several months before it's ready to, to put out somewhere. All right. Now, for those of our listeners that would be interested, what are the titles to the Forgotten Realms uh, novels that, or short stories that you wrote? Uh, the titles, the well, I, I believe all of them are only available on ebook right now. Okay. Uh, but you can still, I don't think you can get them in print except on like secondary market. But um, the ebooks are available. Uh, the first book I ever wrote was the Howling Delve. That was for the Dungeons series for the Forgotten Realms. Uh, then it was Mistshore, um, which is takes place in Waterdeep. And then there were the Unbroken Chain novels, uh, Unbroken Chain and Unbroken Chain, The Darker Road, um, a duology uh, that's about the Shadar Kai. And then uh, finally it was Spider and Stone, um, which is itself sort of the sequel to Mistshore, but it also deals pretty heavily with the drow. Nice. Uh, so those are those are like I said, still available on ebook. Those were my my entries into Forgotten Realms novels, and I'm very very excited that I got to be a part of that world too. Yeah, and I bet you got to spend some time with Ed Greenwood and his uh, giant Bible in his head of what happens and everything in the in the realms. It, it is a giant tome of knowledge. Yes, yeah. and he, he's a very very sweet person and, and wonderful creator. And yes, he. Uh, he let me play in his sandbox. No, that's awesome. Always uh, great. No, I, I like Ed. He, very nice, very down to earth guy. Uh, definitely very Elm Minister looking. Um, you know, with the beard and everything. Uh, definitely not what I expected when I first met him. Uh, but definitely a very wonderful, pleasant uh, gentleman. So yes, very uh, much. So. Moving forward, what events or places will you be where some of our listeners can find you? Um, I might be doing probably local signings, or I generally do school visits, okay. um, which those come up um, sporadically. I usually announce them on my website, um, juliejohnson.com. Okay. Um, you can find links there. That's probably the best place where I keep it most up to date for where I'll be, what I'll be doing. So whenever I have information on signings or school visits, um, you can find out there. And schools can always contact me for Skype visits uh, on my website too. So you can find out where I'm going to be there. Nice. And I'm just looking at your website as well. All your social media information is on there. So if they want to follow you, they can go there for your Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram information. Yep. Um, which all looks pretty much the same. So, uh, you know, Julie Johnson, there you go. They can follow you there. And, you know, just thank you for spending some time with me this afternoon to talk about these books. Uh, I mean, seriously, if you guys want to read a really fun uh, middle grade book, these are definitely for you. Uh, I like the spin on them, and Door to the Lost so far has been enjoyable to read. So, you know, thanks. Uh, they're fantastic, and uh, again, thanks for your time. Thanks for so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. All right. So everyone, go check these books out. Support uh, Julie's writing uh, habit, I guess we can call it, uh, so that she can write more fantastic novels. And with that said, we'll catch you next time. All right, everyone. 
Now we're going to talk about Patreon. That's right. Patreon. If you d- didn't know already, we are on Patreon. Go and support us so that we can do some really awesome things because we have <laughs> amazing ideas. Patreon. You have six months to plot. That we are going to put everything together and be awesome and amazing and uh, awesome. cameras in here so you can Patreon. see the craziness why we are recording. And let me, there, there is some crazy stuff that happens. I also uh, especially Varen's. Uh, his little actions. Yes, his actions. Um, you, you you can watch wow. Mackenzie turn bright red or hit or just drop down on the table or, or obscene random off. gestures. We'll, we'll give her an airsoft gun or a Nerf gun or Ooh. something. Ooh. She can shoot Dan. As we can do that. As she wants. I'm gonna shoot you too. What did I do? I like that idea. Um, so definitely check out our Patreon page. Uh, I still say we need to drop a GoPro to me in Patreon. October. We could do I think that could be fun. We could do some random stuff, uh, especially cons and stuff like that. So help us, support us, and check out our Patreon page because Varen's been like hypnotically suggesting to you this whole time. Why did what? you tell them that? Because it's awesome. And it's on Patreon. It's something. What do you want to do tonight, Brain? Take over the world! We'll go to Patreon. You're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Please subscribe and follow them on Facebook or Twitter, precious. No, we're even promoting these filthy idiots. Who doesn't like them? Who doesn't like anyone? They're friends, precious. They're friends. No, shut up. Please subscribe.